Spine Chilling Podcasts proudly presents Afterlife Comicals. Welcome, friends. Tis Halloween. The night creeps and the fog settles. There is a brutal chill in the air, and the moon hangs a sickly orange in the sky, like the leering eye of some demon or fiend. And here you are, in my attic, the library of the damned. The damned penniless who spend all their money on comics. And if it is comics you seek, then it is a feast you shall have. I am the loft-dweller, the thing in the attic, the sinister creak and thud you hear above you at 4am, and tonight I bring you a triple feature of supernatural tales, monstrous yarns and cosmic horror. Please make yourselves comfortable. Yes, welcome to Afterlife Comicals. Tonight it's just me, Greg, and I'm going to chat on about some of the books I've chosen for this most ghoulish of occasions from the dusty shelves in my Library of the Damned. And before I jump in, it's been spooky season and this month I have put together for you a little playlist on Spotify to go with the books I'm about to talk about or your own spooky selection and it's a collection comprised of some occult rock, heavy metal, stoner rock and doom metal. Um, We've got artists like Black Sabbath, uh, Cathedral, Jupiterian, Jekstoff, The Misfits, Paul Bearer, AFI, Mastodon, Occultation, Jess and the Ancient Ones, Blood Ceremony, And it goes on and on and on. And it's a pretty cool list. And it just, for me, it's kind of the Halloween mood in a playlist. So um, I hope you'll enjoy that. It's called Afterlife Comicals. If you want to search for it on Spotify, I will provide a link with this show. So on we go. And the first book I have to talk to you about tonight is a collected edition of some comic adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft material. Um, primarily stories concerning Cthulhu. The book is called Lovecraft, The Myth of Cthulhu. Now, upon opening the book, obviously we know that H.P. Lovecraft, he he was terribly racist. And it does show in his work, and I acknowledge that, and and it does concern me, and it is uncomfortable to read at those points. Now, I'm just going to let you know that the adaptations to comic these adaptations to the comic medium are quite faithful in that and they do not really dampen the overall undercurrent but it is dampened to a point i suppose compared to the original text um these are kind of lost republished adaptations from the early 80s which i'll get into later and what i just wanted to address was that despite the negativity that Lovecraft has in his work and despite the concerning amount of racism what it's led to and, and the legacy that it has left behind it, all this cosmic horror and everything else that we can enjoy we can enjoy nowadays um is is something to celebrate I suppose even if it is bittersweet because as I say he was terribly racist and we we address that and we see it in his work and it's a shame really but there we go. So, um, <clears throat> let's get straight in and talk about the artwork. So we've got this beautiful, th- these stories are, are like, um, they were adapted in the early 80s. And the story goes that they were adapted to be published by a Spanish publishing company. They were never published. They were lost. Um, 
ended up being published in the back of a Spanish children's comic and then ended up being published in America at some point with completely different um a completely different script but the same artwork and it's taken until this year um to kind of get this edition where they are published as they were meant to be read um and yeah it's just it's that's the tldr and it's a pretty weird tale um it's all laid out in the front of the um at the front of the collected edition in a preface. So, this book uh, is adaptations of three Lovecraft stories. It is The Nameless City, The Festival, and The Call of Cthulhu. These are all stories that fit into the Cthulhu mythos and concern the Cthulhu mythos. So, these are wonderful adaptations. They capture the tone and the mood very well. Uh, the strangeness of Lovecraft's vision concerning his monsters and his creatures is is captured and also you know the mood and and the strangeness of the tone and and what he's trying to lay out is also captured very well um we've got this beautiful moody black and white artwork almost like etchings shadows serve to build atmosphere and tension um it's beautifully detailed and it's alive it jumps off the page when you look at it it's this like you you can you can almost see it moving it's it's eerie it's this awesome pen and ink um and the pages are composed of panels varying in size with narration. Um, there's not much for speech bubbles and for text inside the panels. It's more it's more narration. So because obviously in the way it's laid out as well in the page uh, layouts, it's actually evident and actually comes across nicely that these are memories being recounted by um someone that's lived through it so uh, obviously with the way Lovecraft used to frame his stories a lot of it was somebody recounting a tale as if they were sitting with you in the room and and speaking to you and that's kind of what's done here and it's very nicely done indeed now the this they have like an ethereal quality and like it's almost like the images it could like the artwork coupled with the um the way the narration is done it is in and the way the page is laid out it all comes together to almost almost as as if you're listening to a person recount a nightmare and trying to picture it in your own head it it has this kind of um yeah it's like this kind of feel that it's from memory and the silence of the panels save for the odd environmental sound kind of again helps to reflect that and and bring that forward so save the odd little bit of onomatopoeia and the odd environmental noise we've we've got this um this this kind of like recounting of a nightmare almost um uh, there's perfect pacing as well in the way these tales have been adapted. They've been adapted and paced perfectly. It, it feels like a complete a complete tale. It doesn't feel like there's anything missing. It's great for that. Um, it's three individual nightmares and just, just a great adaptation of the Cthulhu mythos. Three individual nightmares for Halloween and it's great. Um, and this was a collection over 30 years in the making and it's... It's well worth picking up and reading just to um, just to experience that and just to see like a, a faithful adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's work and to actually kind of acknowledge where a lot of what we are reading and enjoying nowadays has actually had its roots, um, even if those roots are slightly rotten, as we discussed at the beginning. Um, and yeah, just 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 to finish off, it's a glimpse a window almost into a certain kind of fear prevalent in a lot of Lovecraft's work. Um, 
a fear of something greater, a fear of something unimaginably, unimaginably ancient. I will get my words out. And a fear of something that was here before us and will go on long after we are. Um, and long after we're gone. And it's kind of the true genesis and root of cosmic horror, I suppose, these these sort of tales. And um, it's just a great collected edition. And this is available from IDW in hardback format. The whole um, endeavour, actually, is an undertaking by one man. And that is uh, Esteban Moroto. Moroto. So um, he was the... Um, the artist, the writer, and the letter, and everything else. So this is this is all him. Um, we have uh, colours. The cover itself is by Esteban Morato, and we have colours on the cover by uh, Santi Casas. The translation is by um, Anna Rosenwong, because obviously these were originally written in Spanish. Uh, it is edited by Justin Isinger and Alonso Simon, and the production is by Ron Estevez. The publisher, Ted Adams and IDW. So there we go. That is the Lovecraft, the myth of Cthulhu, which is a great collected edition. Now, moving on from there is something that I get rather excited about. And this is my next tale. This is the monstrous yarn of the triple feature. And this is Godzilla in Hell. So this obviously is a book that deals with the King of Monsters, Godzilla in Hell. Um, the story charts Godzilla's journey through hell and the book is majority silent save for um, onomatopoeia and environmental sound and a bit of narration which again is kind of a theme here now because we had this with the Cthulhu book as well and um, it's it's kind of like a um, it's a five-part series collected into one trade and each book has a different creative team or a different artist or a different creative individual and um there are some fantastic individual talents working on this creating some great moments and some great illustrations of action and you know like some awesome kind of um depictions of this gargantuan beast taking on other beasts in hell fighting the impossible and just lumbering his way through this kind of like desolate landscape and just smashing it all to bits it's great so this is godzilla doing battle in hell with the impossible with various demons and other monsters and other creatures that he's battled in the past so um other favorites make a uh, an appearance like king Ghidorah, space godzilla angerus um there's a whole list of them in there and i'm not going to tell you all of them because that would spoil it and i want you to read it um and each issue is a, I believe anyway, a fantastic example of graphic storytelling. So if you were to look at it, you can see like the way that the pages are laid out and the way that the art is done and the way that things are communicated through the page, often just via the artwork and how easy it is to follow as well. Like there are no words needed. It's just, it's like the, the absolute, um, like someone's tapped into the the, the artists and the, the the creative teams on there have tapped into the absolute uh, source of graphic storytelling with some of this. It's great, and and sequential storytelling, sequential art. Um, and even though it's it's majorly si- even though it's majority silent, the, the pacing and the communication of the story and, and events is, is spot on. And each chapter or book it, it captures a a specific facet of Godzilla's immortal unsilenceable rage and 
during his travels through hell, the primal power and the sheer scale of the description destruction that he's capable of. Um, one thing the many artists capture well is the scale and this big beast of pure destruction and rage and how he's lumbering through this desolate, hopeless landscape and how they capture that and how they communicate that is great. When when I say silent, I think silent is the wrong words because even though there, even at the points where there are no narration and there's no... Um, no onomatopoeia per se just just movement communicated it, these panels are cacophonous you, you don't need to be told there's noise to hear the drone the crunch the thump the 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 smash the it's just all there the, the sound of pure energy godzilla spitting it forth against the chest of king Ghidorah or something like that you know what noise that makes you don't need to be told and I just think it's an excellent collection and, and, and a great example of graphic storytelling and something that um, everyone who, who's a fan of the medium should have in their library because it's just it's a brilliant piece of work. And it's just the idea of, of the, the idea communicated in there of hell as a personal trial. And God's, and this is Godzilla's personal trial. And this is him facing it, facing his own demons and conquering them. And how how that might be to um, I mean, obviously, we know that Godzilla's intelligent life. But or or is depicted as intelligent life always in these stories. But and and we we know this. But obviously, to see something like hell through the eyes of something that isn't human, through the um, to to see what hell might look like to to this a primal beast like Godzilla, to see how things might appear, to see how things might be dealt with, and how he deals with that. And 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 it turns out that not even hell can keep him. Not even hell can bind him. He he answers to no one. Like there's there's a really good point in this story where you learn that Godzilla literally answers to no one, and it is brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's just him conquering his own personal trials and his own personal demons, and I just love it start to finish. And uh, I'm gonna roll through the credits and just to give you an idea of some of the talent that is uh, encompassed in this five-part story and, and why you should be buying this because it's just a beautiful book. So, with the first story, it's uh, the story and art is by James Stockow, who is one of my favourite artists, and he has this great kind of um, detailed... Um, I always call it, like, uh, like, like crud or grungy style because there's so much detail and there's so much going on. And when he draws crumbling rocks or when he draws piles of, like, destruction and... He's very good at that, and and that's what I love. I love how detailed his work is, and I love how he these like he's so good at drawing particles and drawing and and creating a sense of like um, like the amount of separate entities that can be in one space when there's like a pile of rocks or something like that. It's just beautiful. Um, next up. Uh, the second portion of the book is... I'll just rattle through the book now so I can get to the credits. The second portion of the book is um, Story and Art by Bob uh, Eglerton. And what we get here is we get this kind of like classic um, detailed fantasy art or uh, things that, you know, like kind of like what you might see um, to describe the style, something you might see in a role-playing rule book. Um, and, and this is heavily narrated 
but it's this classic kind of painted style and again it's beautiful and there's not a white patch on the page save for where the narration is and it's just just wonderful for that you you are literally in these environment these locales and environments where where godzilla is as he lumbers through in this tale like you are you are thrown into it by these pages because they just they they spread out beyond the borders and you you know you, you are sucked in you become part of it it's like you're there you can feel the cold you can feel the heat you you get wet when he's in the water and it's just it's just fantastic we've also got the uh, third tale which is by uh ulysses farinas and eric freitas and uh we've got art by buster moody here and uh coloring is uh, assisted by ludwig laguna alumba and um yeah again this is uh this is again going for something a little bit like um what you would more 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 um towards what i would call traditional comic art but again it's it's there's there's barely any white borders and it's a, it's a majority silent um a majority silent piece with some some really nice uh single panel work and things like that and some really nice full page work and this one this one's great this is this is the i answer to no one moment and this is this is probably like one of my favorite points in the book uh after that we've got um brandon seifert uh ibrahim mustafa who is on art uh colors by marissa louise and um this is again in the artworks in a similar vein to the previous one um and again it's 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 just in a similar way it just just i'm gonna keep coming back to this but the way it manages to communicate the story without using words is just beautiful and um the final portion of the book which is godzilla's ultimate triumph that is by dave watcher and uh, he is the story and the artist so he wrote it and drew it and there's a lot of there's a lot of one-man operations here uh in this book actually there's a couple and um they're all they're all very good and i i I mean i do love it when it's all by one person i love it when because there's there's kind of like a a a harmoniousness to it and a a homogeny that you don't you don't usually get um with it that you wouldn't i mean i'm not saying that other creative teams can't work together and can't share ideas and, and can't um can't produce something on the same level because it does they do and it does happen but it's just it's just when it's all by one person the pieces fit together so much more snugly i believe um and you can just see that here it's just great so that is godzilla in hell and that is available on idw again and that is a collected edition and yeah the the main cover is by james stokoe and uh it's absolutely gorgeous so yeah, and, and uh, there's a quote by IGN here, which I, I pretty much echo in the fact that Stokoe was pretty much born to draw a Godzilla comic, which I 100% agree with. So that is Godzilla in Hell. Now, the third and final book I have for you tonight. This is me fanboying out, and this is Get Real Ghostbusters. And this is the... Um, it comes from the IDW Ghostbusters run, and um, this is the... Uh, you know the creative team that I, in previous episodes, I've um, like lauded and banged on about. Well, this is them. <laughs> this is uh, Tuning, Delgado, Burnham, and Waltz. And this one is a love letter to the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which is something that I was very fond of as a child, and I'm still fond of now. Uh, me being a huge Ghostbusters fan, it's no secret. If you've heard me talk before on this cast, then you've probably heard me say this. Um, 
so yeah, it's a love letter to the brilliant real Ghostbusters cartoon. And from the outset, even down to the cover of the collected edition, resembling an old VHS, which is similar to one of the ones I had. It's one of those Magic Window VHSs, Hollywood Children's Collection, um, with kind of like the grey, and then there's like a panel in the middle with the artwork on, uh, either a kind of a screen cap of the show or some original artwork. Um, I had Volume 4, which featured episodes Night Game and Beneath the Streets. Night Game is the episode where Winston Zedmore goes to the uh, the Jaguars... Um, baseball grounds and uh, there's a supernatural disturbance there and um, they play baseball for Peter Venkman's soul and um, the second story on that video is beneath these streets where um, Manhattan is held up by a giant gyroscope which is seizing up because it is leaking the lubricant uh, which is like this kind of ectoplasmic lubricant Um, and it's to do with like an old folk tale of this giant gyroscope being the only thing that keeps Manhattan from sinking. Uh, and um, this is like a feature story for Ray Stans. Um, and they're in the middle of a heat wave and they don't know why. And it's because of this incredibly, um, th- this lubricant, which is almost like lava, this like ectoplasmic lubricant. And uh, it's a really cool tale. So um, I love this IDW, Ghostbusters creative team. And you can always tell how much love and care goes into the treatment of the franchise with these guys. This has a by fans for fans feel, and in this particular collection, um, especially uh, the Ghostbusters of the movie continuity cross over with the real Ghostbusters of the awesome television series, and um, the main villain in this one is a villain called Proteus, which is from the television series, and uh, it's an episode in um, I believe on Netflix. This one will be in season two. And uh, the episode is called Janine Melnitz Ghostbuster. So if you're interested in... Che- actually, if you're interested in checking any of those episodes I've mentioned out, um, I think all of them are in season two on... Because Real Ghostbusters is available on Netflix. And I think all of them are in season two on Netflix by Netflix listing. So um, Janine Melnitz Ghostbuster is the uh, the episode where Protus is originally from. And um, actually, it's kind of like a really nice background watch for this uh, comic because... The events, some of the events in this comic run concurrent with what happens in that episode because it's kind of set within that episode. So the events in the events of that episode, the Ghostbusters are sent to limbo by Proteus, and Janine has to save them. Well, when they're sent to limbo by Proteus, this is kind of what happens. So it's great for that. It's kind of it's kind of set within that episode, and it's within continuity, and. It just brings the two worlds together and it is the way that this creative team have actually brought together other other places are mentioned in this as well. Other other universes. Uh, we visit the uh, Extreme Ghostbusters for a portion, which is kind of nice. Um, but it's just the way that this creative team have managed to bring together all these separate threads from the Ghostbusters multiverse. So which it is now a multiverse because of these guys. But like... Um, the uh, the answer the call team the real Ghostbusters the extreme Ghostbusters teams that have appeared only in video games and the way they've brought all of that together is just it's just astounding and I'm sure I've talked about this before but I I'm in love with this I'm in love with this run and I don't I don't think there's be there 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 I don't think there'll ever be a better creative team than these guys because these guys are just they just nail on the head every time like. This is a fantastic collected edition, and if you're a fan of the real Ghostbusters, this is something that you should have on your shelves, especially if you love comics as well, because it's just gosh darn brilliant. Um, 
and yeah they meet the uh they, so proteus whisks them away and they meet the real ghostbusters the real ghostbusters in uh, air quotes and um yeah it, it just spirals from there and it's, it's how they get back to their own dimension and how they work together uh, how these team two teams work together to to vanquish this foe and um they the creative team here they, they build a, a fantastic nostalgia like laced event a, a, a fantastic nostalgia laced adventure i'm so excited i can't get my words out and and there's such care and attention to detail including the the art and the way the real ghostbusters are represented it's it's like almost like perfectly mirroring the show i mean they look exactly like the show dan shooning's character designs are always brilliant and on point anyway like his original character designs when he's drawing um the uh the ghostbusters from the movie universe like the original four he and the original characters within that so like Ginny melness and such he gets that on on point on perfect and and such love and attention as well with the real ghostbusters it's great um and as i say i've spoken about this creative team before and i'm constantly impressed with their work it's a great collection and a fantastic ghostbusters story in the truest sense of the word the way they blend the two worlds and combine the other incarnations of the ghostbusters and make it canon it's just great um and their comics are a celebration of the franchise and everything that's awesome about it. So that is the Ghostbusters Get Real. And that is something that um, you should pick up again on IDW. This is like the IDW cast today. Like what's going on? Um, and uh, the full credits here, full creative credits. We have written by Eric Burnham, art by Dan Schooning, colors by Luis Antonio Delgado, letters by Neil um, Yutake and Tom B. Long and Sean Lee. Series edits by Tom Waltz. The cover of this edition is by Dan Schooning. Uh, cover colours are by Luis Antonio Delgado. Collection edits are by Justin Isinger and uh, Alonzo Simon. And the collection design by Neil Uateke. So that is the Ghostbusters Get Real. And I mean, even down to like, because they had the um, the Magic Window logo. So the way they've done the Magic logo, Magic Window logo on this, they've put Interdimensional Portal and they've got the uh, Ghostbusters stepping through it. And if you've seen the actual um, Magic Window logo from the original VHSs, then you'll get that joke. It's brilliant. But yeah, this is this is like a, a, a fan, a fan piece. It's great. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's something that uh, any Ghostbusters fan should have on their show. So... That wraps us up for our short but sweet um, Halloween episode, Afterlife Comicals. Um, you can find us at www.acecomicals.com where you can find myriad re- ways to listen to us and to enjoy our content. We have a Facebook, which is uh, where well, you can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Instagram at Ace Comicals. You can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals. You can find me on Twitter at Bato. That's B-A-T-T-O-U. Um, you can... Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocketcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Castro. If you want to ask us a question, you can direct your questions to acecomicals at gmail.com or you can uh, DM us on Twitter and uh, we will be able to get back to you that way. Um, if you like what we do, then please consider donating to us at our coffee off our coffee site, which is coffee.com slash acecomicals. All contributions will be used to, um, to defray the cost of hosting the website, i.e., your money keeps the lights on. So, um, yeah, I have been Greg, the dweller in the attic. Uh, Afterlife Comicals, over and out.